It's the second season of Let's Talk About This Offline. We're back. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Talk About This Offline. Um, for everyone joining us, I am having the pleasure of talking to Adrian Miller. He's a lawyer, a former public policy advisor to Bill Clinton. Adrian is the author of Soul Food, The Surprising Story of an American Cuisine, One Plate at a Time, which earned him a 2014 James Beard Foundation Award. Adrian is also the author of The President's Kitchen Cabinet, the story of the African-Americans who have fed our first families from the Washingtons to the Obamas and a personal favorite, Black Smoke, African-Americans in the United States of Barbecue. We're here to talk about food. We're going to talk about what that food means and Juneteenth. Adrian, welcome. Welcome hey, to the show. You. Thanks yeah, so much. Um, it's great to see you. I am drinking hibiscus tea. It's very red, right. and we'll yes. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get into more of uh, that later. But um, I just want to say, how are you? And with all my guests, I always like to check into your time zone. So, what time is it where you are, and where are you now? I am in the mountain time zone in the United States. I'm in Denver, Colorado. And it just so happens mm -hmm. on this day, May 20th, it is snowing. Oh my and it's God. supposed to snow. It's supposed to snow overnight. It's a it's a light wet snow, but it's it's snow. I mean it's not sleet. It is definitely snow. Wow. So um it's gonna be interesting to see if there's accumulation, but yeah. Yeah. Which I think every weather is barbecue weather. So we're just going to say it's barbecue weather. Um, it's definitely mm -hmm. barbecue weather where I am. I'm in Cairo, Egypt, as I have been. And it is about 9.30 p.m. here. And um, you were in Egypt. I first met you because you came to Cairo a few months ago to speak to the embassy community. And you gave a great talk on soul food, what it means, um, and you were definitely dropping knowledge like hot biscuits. <laughs> um, yeah, I love that line. Um, so can you tell me what inspired you to research the food traditions of, of Black folks in America? Well, the short answer is unemployment. Um, but the longer answer <laughs> is I was working in the White House. And uh, I was at that time, this was 20 plus years ago. So at that time in my life, I wanted to be in politics. I was trying to get back to Colorado to start my political career, but the job market was really mm. slow. I was watching a lot of daytime television. I'm not even going to tell you what shows. And in the depth of my depravity, I said, you know, I should do something. And uh, so I went to the bookstore and I found this book on the history of Southern food by this guy named John Edgerton, Southern food at home on the road in history. And in that book, he wrote that the tribute to Black achievement in American cookery remains to be written. Uh, I thought that was really interesting. The book was 14 years old when I picked it up. So I thought, huh, well, let me just check this out. And so made some. Uh, I emailed him out of the blue. And I said, hey, you wrote this 14 years ago. Do you still think this is true? And he said, yeah, for the most part, nobody's taking on the full story. There's always room for another voice. Why not yours? 
Uh, and then I talked to some black food writers because, uh, you know, Mr. Edgerton's right, white guy, but, you know, knowledgeable, but I just didn't know maybe there was something he didn't know about. And the black food writers validated what he said. So um, mm. that launched me on the journey. So I was like, for whatever reason, with no qualifications at all, except for eating a lot of soul food and cooking it some, I thought, well, I could do that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And out, you know, came this whole uh, history that you've discovered. Um, his book, Soul Food, um, Soul Food is fantastic. Um, you can, I just downloaded it and read it from cover to cover. It has some amazing recipes. I've tried the macaroni and cheese recipe. It's delicious. Uh, so thank you for nice. that. And <laughs> mm -hmm. it's really good. And um, just different techniques. And yeah, uh, Black folks have been behind the kitchen in the White House, uh, kind of like the basis of food in American history. And you can trace American history through our food traditions as well. You know, what came over with enslaved people. So this is fun. Um, I'm particularly interested in Juneteenth because it just recently became a federal holiday. And mm -hmm. I, I mean, I have, I have to admit, I did not grow up celebrating Juneteenth or even knowing that much about it. Um, it was almost like, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and it felt like, oh, that was something they did down south. But now that it's a federal holiday, yeah. I'm excited to pass it on, you know. Um, did you did you grow up celebrating Juneteenth? Or, um, like, what is your history or knowledge of the holiday? So, uh, so yes and no. It's not like, my family celebrated. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we did a cookout or anything like that. So um, here's the thing, mm -hmm. like Juneteenth overlaps often with Father's Day. So um, because, uh, yeah. you know, Father's Day is right around the same time. So um, Juneteenth wasn't what we celebrated. It was really more just about Father's Day. Um, but Denver, Colorado mm -hmm. has one of the longest running Juneteenth celebrations outside of Texas. And so what people have to understand wow. is um, several things. Yeah. So there's several things at play here. So first of all, there were numerous emancipation celebration anniversaries that were celebrated by different black communities around the country. So before the Civil War, mm. black people in the North especially were celebrating the, the abolition of the British slave trade, as well as the emancipation of um, enslaved people in the Indies, because that happened before it happened in the United States. So they were marking those right. um, anniversaries. Um, and then other people would celebrate key dates based on the emancipation celebration or proclamation. So some people celebrated mm. September 22nd as an emancipation celebration, because okay. that's when Lincoln gave the heads up that the emancipation proclamation was coming. Some people do January 1st right. when it came into effect. Some people like DC does it April 15th, because that was the day that it was, you know, so there's all these dates going on. So the, the magic of Juneteenth, it is to me, is that it became a federal holiday because you've just got all of these expat tex Texans moving to other parts of the country <laughs> and saying, y'all don't have Juneteenth? Y'all don't know about this? We're going to start this. Uh -huh. And so over time, the Juneteenth celebrations supplant the local emancipation celebrations because the, the arc of these things is that okay. usually when they're started, they were heavily celebrated like during the first years after slavery ended. But then people started to lose interest. So... These various 
celebrations right. that happen around the country in, in different parts of country, they lost steam. And that, that left an opening for um, Juneteenth to become the uh, emancipation celebration. So I, I keep telling people, you know, Texans are the best cheerleaders. They're, they're very proud of their culture. <laughs> and it's one reason why Juneteenth is a federal holiday. And it's also the reason why Texas barbecue is now the barbecue standard. It wasn't that way before. Very was, interesting. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just Texans. Okay. It's just Texans saying, hey, this is tough. That, um, yeah, everything's bigger I, I, and better, apparently, in Texas. Uh, I, my parents are from Georgia, North Carolina, and I grew up on North Carolina barbecue with uh, vinegar-based sauce and um, actually quite spicy, which I like. But um, so Texas barbecue is, tell me if I'm correct, is it just a dry rub or does it have a sauce? Or both. So, um, so uh, Texas has multiple barbecue traditions. So it just depends on what you're oh. talking about. So the one oh. that most people identify with is Central Texas, mm-hmm. and that is the you know the heavy on brisket, just salt and pepper, mm-hmm. um, no sauce. That's becoming the barbecue aesthetic. But you know you've got multiple traditions where you could have dry rub, you could have sauce. So it really just depends on where you are. Like for instance, East Texas is heavily African-American influenced. So there's sauce and dry rub all over that. South Texas okay. is uh, Latino dominated and it's a more of a underground pit cooking method. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got Western Texas, there's multiple traditions. So yes and no. So to the extent that you're talking about Central Texas, <laughs> yeah, that it's usually mm-hmm. just, hey, just meat, salt and pepper, salting crackers, a wedge of cheese, pickles and onions. Um, and there's a reason why that meal comes together uh, in that way. But when you start getting to other parts of the States, barbecue plays out differently. Okay. Um, and so like when we think about Juneteenth, I'm thinking red foods, um, and like the one I'm drinking right now. And what's the historical importance of like the red foods, um, that we could kind of tell our audience? So for Juneteenth, there's emerged this tradition of having red foods. And the idea is that the color red symbolizes the blood shed by enslaved African ancestors. And so one way to Mm -hmm. commemorate that, memorialize that, is to have um, red colored food. And so uh, for Juneteenth Mm -hmm. as a summertime holiday, um, barbecue, and barbecue is red because of the smoking and also the application of a sauce, which obviously is a tomato-based sauce. Um, and then you have a ripe watermelon for dessert. And then you would have mm-hmm. a uh, some kind of red colored beverage to drink. So as you know, in the black community, red is a color and a flavor when it comes to drinks. <laughs> so we don't call things tra- absolutely cherry or that has hints of It's just red. So in, in lot, large swaths of Texas, big red soda would have been the drink of choice associated with Juneteenth because that was the native... You know, the Texas made red drink. But, you know, before that, it okay. was red lemonade, um, any kind of red carbon beverage. You could have Kool-Aid, anything. Um, I'm trying to turn mm-hmm. more and more people onto hibiscus uh, tea because it's just healthier for you. And it just tastes great. Yes. And my argument, soul food, which, you you know, is that red drinks in the United States are, are a nod to the red drinks of West Africa. So um, in West Africa, they yes. have hibiscus drinks. Um, it's called bisop in a lot of parts of the country, uh, the continent, but it's called other things. 
like in where you are, mm-hmm. um, it's called Carcade. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. Um, yes, yes. Is that, how do you pronounce that? Um, I I believe it's Carcade. Um, and also hibiscus tea is really popular in uh, Ramadan um, to help when you're breaking the fast um, to kind of soothe the stomach and help with blood pressure as well. But it's delicious and it's everywhere. It's everywhere. And it's just fast, fascinating to see. I love that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other one is red cola nut tea. Um, so red, they're cola nuts mm. are indigenous to West Africa as well as a type of hibiscus. And um, the, there are white cola nuts, there are red cola nuts. And so as hospitality drinks, people would be offered either this hibiscus tea or a red cola nut tea. And those come across the Atlantic due to the slave trade. And um, the, mm-hmm. the prominent, most prominent one is hibiscus because it becomes sorrel in Jamaica. And I, I really want to know why that name changed, but that's what it becomes in Jamaica. That's interesting. Um, and then it yeah, makes, I don't know. Yeah, it makes its way around America and South America. And in those places, it's mm-hmm. either called Flor de Jamaica. So, uh, you know, um, mm. the Jamaica flower. Or it's called Awa de Jamaica, Jamaica water. And so you can walk into a taqueria run by Latinos um, <laughs> and get uh, Awa de Jamaica. And um, I don't think a lot of people know they're, they're drinking a West African drink. That is fascinating. That is fantastic. Coming here, moving here, realizing how many food traditions have are prominent, of course, in Africa. And you just have that aha moment of okra. Okra is everywhere. There are so many okra dishes. There's hibiscus tea. There are um, uh, black eyed peas in abundance and very healthy, delicious foods. Um, and my favorite mm-hmm. red food is red velvet cake, which is amazing. Uh, so I'll definitely mm-hmm. be making that this year. <laughs> and um, no, and um, flavor, you know, red velvet cake, I didn't like it as a young person because I think there was a lot of artificial dye. But I've learned to make it with beet juice. And yeah, insider tip, it's delicious. It's delicious. And it colors it just fine. So who knew? Yeah, I'm just wondering does the does the addition of beet juice change the taste though? Because beet beet juice has beet juice has a distinctive taste. It does. You know what? Okay, so I I ink. No, that's a great question. I increased the amount of dark chocolate that I used, and I always put a shot of um of um espresso, and it kind of kills the beet taste for me. It, someone else might taste it. Espresso in anything well, chocolate I bake. Espresso, espresso, mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it kind kind of like punches up the the chocolate flavor. Yeah, I was just wondering what kind of taste it left. Yeah, yeah, it it and you have to be careful with the beet juice because it makes the consistency of the batter different as well. So it's a lot. Just play around with it, but you can get beet powder. That's a th- yeah, it's oh. a thing. So I researched it because because okay. I love red velvet cake. But I didn't, I just, that dye taste was really starting to get to bother me. So, and anyway, I'm going to be all red. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I, I was just saying, I talked about the three things, watermelon, barbecue, and red drink. But over time, some other red foods have been added. So certainly red velvet cake and strawberry pie are things that you're seeing now okay. added, um, featured on Juneteenth menus. So sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, no. That's really interesting. Um, 
And I can see why, because it's in abundance and especially during strawberry season, they're everywhere. So I might have to try a strawberry pie. Um, what about side dishes? Um, are there specific side dishes that are Juneteenth centered or is it typical traditional soul food side dishes? Well, it's more typical, just barbecue stuff. So I, what I find mm -hmm. is that whatever people associate with barbecue, that's typically what they're having. So, you know, coleslaw, potato salad, baked beans, oh. um, especially since we're coming from a Texas based holiday, that that's more what you see. Okay. Okay. Good to know. I was just curious. I didn't know if, uh, I had, what else I could eat with my hot links because those are delicious as well. <laughs> I'm so grateful that we just had just a quick chat about Juneteenth. Um, I hope everyone out there celebrates this year, find a friend, light up the grill, get something red and uh, celebrate American history. What's next for you? So I have a few tricks up my sleeve. So there's some other stories that I would like to tell. Um, again, in this vein of finding out hidden history. So I'm interested in telling the story of African-American street vendors um, from the earliest days of enslavement to now. Um, now would be mainly, you know, like food trucks or the the people that show up at barbershops and, and beauty salons trying to sell some stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'm actually interested in like we, we've, we're now knowing more about how June, Juneteenth started, but there's not a lot of stories about how it spread. So I want to, highlight these people who showed up in various communities and started Juneteenth celebrations. So that's something else I'd like to look at. Also very interested in a history of African-Americans in Colorado. We've had next people, next level people in my home state. So I want to tell those stories. So yeah, um, it's not, and it's not just African-American culture. I'm drawn to these stories in other cultures as well. Um, I ask every guest one question. And so my favorite quote is, it's not what they call you. It's what you answer to. So Adrian Miller, what do you answer to? I answer to hidden histories. So mm. um, I am just fascinated by um, telling of the stories of African-Americans that have either been told a long time ago and we just stopped sharing them. So they're kind of forgotten or the, the, the stories that are yet to be discovered. So there's a, if there's a common theme in my work, it's really bringing to light uh, subjects that have not been um, either spoken of or um, framed in the way that I'm doing it. So for instance, a scholarly treatment of soul food, nobody's really ever done that before. Um, a collective mm -hmm. biography of African-American presidential chefs, that's never been done. Um, and then a, a definitive history of United States barbecue from a black perspective that that's never been done before either. So um, I've got a few more things up my sleeve, uh, Lord willing, if I'm able to do these things, but um, yeah, I just, that's what I call to hidden histories and not, not only African-American, I call to them in any culture. I'm just like, what's, what's the stuff, what's the story that's really going on here. And I, I'm just intrigued by that. Adrian, thank you so much for chatting with us sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and your amazing recipes. I hope everyone has a great Juneteenth. Enjoy your time off. Celebrate Freedom Day. And we've got more fun and more good episodes coming with you for you. Thanks for listening. See you next time.
Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Let's Talk About This Offline and on our website, www.letstalkaboutthisoffline.buzzsprout.com. Our music is from Soundstripe. Our intro is Bits by Famous Cats. And our outro is Night Sky by Oh Boy.